Have trouble speaking my mind, and that probably sounds like kind of a weird thing to feel among so many people, young people who have grown up around social media and who think nothing about posting your thoughts online. I, for one, tend to think about how people will react, and much as I don't want that to overshadow what I feel like I should say, the reality is that. I do find it hard. The Philippines that I grew up in wasn't much of a repressive state, but I mean, there were definitely barriers to getting your voice heard. That's probably going to be true for a while. I've realized that much of this has to do with your place in society, and for my generation. Getting to a place where you could at least feel like you'd be heard, and for people to take you seriously—that basically meant having the money and the economic advantage to attend a well-known university or college. This, of course, presuming your family could afford to send you to school. Student loans aren't a thing in the Philippines, and back in '04, like I remember my parents. Having to sell our pickup truck just in time for my first semester at hotel school. This episode is going to be about voices, about a journey to find mine, and about what other people's voices sound like, what they say, what we have in common, and about why, in some ways. This is kind of really the best that I feel I can do for being here. I know that sounds strange, but in some way, if all I can do is listen to other people with intent and respect for everything they are, we can consider that kind of an act of solidarity. And so many of these words have been tossed around lately, and it has been a process of learning and just trying to. Understand what allyship, for example, means to me. To understand that even for a few moments, we can set our entire selves aside and just recognize the immensity of how the people around us have struggled to live on basic levels that you and I probably take for granted for a very long time, for generations. To be honest, much of what I've been thinking about over the past couple of months has to do with inequity and apathy. This episode was difficult to get into because, specifically, I knew very little about Black history in America and Indigenous history in Canada. Probably, like at least several people, you know, this feeling of being just overwhelmed, like. Ruled over everything, and it's not an overstatement to say that 
this kind of tumbled feeling a lot of us have been getting is just a new thing. A lot of us don't really know how to deal with it, myself included. And to me, it honestly felt like the emotions that swept through me countered what was right or what I thought should be right. It was like breaking the bubble that I lived in here in Toronto and thinking about the bubble I used to live in in Manila, that, that shit meant facing all the injustices that I knew existed, that I knew were happening right outside my door, just recognizing that it happened anyway. And I got woke on a deep level. I doubt a lot's going to change in my lifetime, though I really wanted to. And this fact that I will forever have the privilege of being in Canada with the voice and ability to record a podcast and actually get people to listen like you are right now, that's something I'm still coming to terms with because I kind of don't feel like I'm fully heard still. And it's something to recognize that this feeling of just feeling like you don't belong. <laughs> um, this is true for millions of people who have for so long been and have felt that personally these degrees of systematic oppression are just a fact of life. And the reason I'm talking all this out is because I, I need to understand and I hope that in listening you kind of get to shape your own, further shape your own thoughts at least, um, about trying to understand how exactly we can make a difference in changing the reality that we live in. In some ways I think about it as like, taking apart the core tenets of what we've lived with for so long and really examining why the behaviors that we've grown up with are still things that we carry and changing those behaviors that have brought us to where we are today. Because to be anti-racist, as I've learned, is really just to see people equally. And, I mean, obviously this is not something I am by far an expert at in any way, but I'm just saying all this because I do think it starts with an individual person. And if it's going to start with me, I know that I need to set myself aside and just listen to the realities that Black and Indigenous people in North America and indigenous people in the Philippines, particularly, to hear the realities that they experience and will continue to live in until enough of us, until enough individuals like you and me, until we decide to actually care and act upon a specific thing, a specific injustice, one step at a time. 
honestly, this this really sounds like something that is very much like a big picture thing, but I don't know. This this is the first step that I feel I can do, and trust that I have so far to go, but I can try. days though when I feel like my voice doesn't matter at all. Like days when I can't stand to see myself in the mirror because what I see in front of me just doesn't have a connection to how I feel. And I used to hate it when I literally had to be pleasant for entire eight hour shifts knowing that I'd go home and feel guilty for feeling that way when I had a job that kept a roof over me. I felt like there was no reason to complain when so many others I knew had far less. And if there's one thing that I hope for this episode, it's that you get the complexity of speaking up. Because there are a lot of people who believe that their voice doesn't matter. It's why we protest, why we write, why we wrestle with even believing there's hope. I'm coming to grips with the idea that thinking that things aren't going to change in my lifetime is a personal opinion that, like all my other feelings, are naturally valid. That shit took a while to understand. (laughs) And it may take a while for me to really get why I feel such a large chasm exists between myself and people who believe that sending templated emails to Philippine senators is going to do anything to stop bills from being signed to law. The societal structures that keep that in place are just far beyond my scope, but I think that understanding on a personal level that all of our voices matter, I think that's the biggest step. Because There's a lot that you can hear in someone's voice, and I do think that that carries. Because the idea of having another person stare in the mirror and believe that their voice doesn't matter, it it really breaks me. (laughs) Because that's something I feel, and I know it exists for so many others. And I just want people to know, if you're listening to this, that... You matter. Your voice does matter, even if you feel like it doesn't. So I wanted to ask a few people to share their thoughts on this idea of voice, about finding voices that speak to you, about gaining the courage to use your own voice, and understanding the power of our collective voices. This, of course, being a very tiny slice of the stories that we can all tell. Because in this journey of mine to truly understand that speaking my mind is fine, contrary to the societal rules that I grew up with, which, like, built these environments over time to make most people believe that you had to fit the mold or 
talk a certain way to be accepted by the people around you. And I mean, in the Philippines, you got to do that to be on the good side of the law. It's not something I'm even going to get into right now. Um, I guess I'm just beginning to understand why so many of the Filipino writers that I've personally met were from an older generation, consider pseudonyms a part of their work. I reached out to Natalie de los Santos and Tiffany Trampi, who are based on the west coast of Canada and Vancouver. They run Philippinex pages on Instagram, where they post about books written by authors from the Philippines and in the diaspora. Their features run the gamut from F. Chanel Hosea classics like Viajero to children's books published in the U.S., such as Quora Cook's Pensit. I wanted to ask about their thoughts about having grown up in Canada and about voices in diasporic literature that they've come to love. Hi, my name is Tiffany, and I'm one half of the team behind Pilipinex Pages, a bookstagram for the diaspora. So when it comes to the Philippine voice in literature, I think that there are two camps, one directed to Filipinos living in the Philippines, and then another camp for the diaspora. And the diaspora is large, they're disparate, we have a lot of experiences, and I think that there's something for everyone. And in the diaspora, I think it's important that not only people who belong to that ethnicity read their stories and see themselves reflected, but also to have people who don't identify as Filipino read their stories to hear from a different perspective that's not theirs. And in a format like books and just in stories, they're so immersive that you can't really separate yourself from the character if you're really into a plot. And that's very important just to bridge the gap. I love how Tiffany mentioned bridging the gap because I do think that's one of the main things, like an actionable step that we can do here and now. It takes a lot to shrink that gap. And one thing that does make a difference is seeing your story reflected in another person's experiences. I think that's really important to see you or someone who looks like you who has a story and to see that validated. Also, too, if you're the only person who looks like you and you're stuck being the other, it can be a real tough situation to be in, especially if you're already dealing with growing up and learning how to be your own person, grappling with how Australian, Canadian, British, American you are because of your ethnicity shouldn't be something you have to reconcile. So if you can't see yourself um, represented in a more cohesive way, um, but you see yourself represented in a very flat way, I think that can also really damage your sense of identity. Tiffany talked about what I guess you could say was her gateway, a book about learning how to cook. When it comes to reading literature for the diaspora, 
that was later in life when I was well into adulthood. Um, it was actually a children's novel called Cora Cooks Ponzi. And I didn't realize how much I needed to see representation in a medium that I love. Cora Cooks Ponzi is the first um, diasporic-centered novel or story that I read, so that's always going to stick with me. Hello, uh, I'm Natalie De Los Santos, and my most recent project is Philippinex Pages. I'm one half of running this digital resource. Uh, we wanted to make it easy for people to find Philippinex literature because when I read America is Not the Heart, I was like, oh man, I want more of this. Where can I find it? And there are spaces out there that have this content, but I just felt like having one cohesive place didn't exist, at least when I was searching. So I, me and Tiff just kind of want to build <laughs> this uh, digital resource and kind of eventually branch out into like other media, like podcasts, study guides, um, all that stuff uh, later in the year. When I grew up here, uh, I didn't have any access to like basically like Filipino history <laughs> or these stories because my parents, um, like they definitely just wanted me to learn English and uh, focus on, you know, get get straight A's here. Um, and my curriculum in high school, I don't believe there was any sort of like deep Filipino history <laughs> besides maybe uh, what happened in <laughs> like world wars <laughs> and stuff like that. So I never got the deep detail of what really went on in my parents' country because I I was born and raised in Vancouver. I've never uh, lived anywhere else. I've been to the Philippines once. Um, so, like, that is my very basic contact uh, with, with the culture. So when I started to write um, my fantasy novel, which is based on Filipino mythology, I just realized, like, how much work I had to do in terms of, like, catching up on the history and like for one thing learning about mythology and like Filipino monsters is so cool so I just like fell down this rabbit hole and then when I met um you know like when we all met up in the writers group one of the first books we all read together was America is not the heart which I mentioned earlier uh America is not the heart is a novel by Elaine Castillo and it was the first time like just reading it it's the first time that I actually felt like I, I actually saw myself or felt a connection like I felt so seen and I also like saw my parents and I saw my family in the book and I never felt a connection to a book like this before it just struck me I was just like I finally I understand what it, it what that phrase means is to feel seen and I just can't find like maybe this is like why <laughs> I, I try to collect as many books as possible because I'm like I just feel like I feel much more of a connection with these books, whether it's myself or the stories that were told around me growing up with my family, like not understanding some of the familial drama between like my elders, <laughs> but then reading books where like, I'm like, oh, maybe that's why they've been doing this. Cause it, like, you know, it's like not just them. It's like this historical backdrop that they lived in before they came here. And there's just so much disconnection now. And like it, like reading these books have just kind of grounded a lot of things that aren't really explained to you when you're growing up because your family just, it just happens. And your family is just like, this is like, this is normal to, to some degree. Um, but when you read other writers write about it, you realize that it's, it's like, we all have different experiences, but it's quite common to have like, like, I guess these immigrant experiences where 
you know, they trade off one life for another. <laughs> and there's so much, um, there's so many rifts between families and, and things like that. So I been nodding my head while you were talking because I agree with it all. Um, I mentioned earlier one of the things that I particularly love about um, about novels and storytelling in general is the ability to to kind of deliver the nuance in certain situations. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you know reading these kinds of books um, kind of allows you to experience to a certain degree. Um, or at least to, to get a better understanding of some of the lived experiences that the people in your life, um, like your family, have had in the past. And that is one of the things I love, love, love about literature in general, is that, you know, whether you're reading a really old book um, written, you know, over 100 years ago, or something that's more contemporary and common, like you can always find those threads, or a really good book, rather, will allow you to find those threads that you you can relate to and that in in some way like I find there's always um there's a personal satisfaction for myself with like reading a book that I have connected with and then the satisfaction of telling other people why I particularly love that book because if they're friends of mine then they're probably going to appreciate the same things about it (laughs) yeah for sure yeah for sure and like when okay another thing about community too like when you find like other people who've read these books especially in the philippinex community um it's just so fascinating to see how they related to that same thing with you but it's just like a different like it's the same thing but it's like a different family story or a different like experience with it um it just shows how much we are like kind of like a a collective of like this lived story like (laughs) because like that's why i think the books in the diaspora did I say that right <laughs> is so is so important because there's not one way to tell it even though it's the same story so I've been working on a fantasy novel uh it's called the working title right now is Diosamada. um the novel is based on Filipino folklore and mythology and it's a reinterpretation of the Spanish colonial era of the Philippines I feel like in writing my own fantasy book like, I want a third-gen culture kid to learn about their history in an accessible and entertaining way. Like, how so many gamers will spend l- hours learning what Astriga is, like, in, from Witcher, and, like, who every god and goddess is in Greek and Roman mythology, or learn Japanese and Elvish. And, like, by doing that, having that fun factor, I think, just adds another layer of just that feeling seen um, component, because I'm, like... I don't know, I still feel like, especially writing with this mythology, like, there might be a lot of this in the Philippines, or lots of literature about this in the Philippines, but from a North American standpoint, I'm like, do Filipino kids really see themselves as superheroes? And I really like that question. Like, would Filipino kids see themselves as superheroes? Because in the grand scheme of things, again, if we're talking about actionable steps to show that there is a place for a broader range of voices and stories in all kinds of media, whether that's books or movies or games or TV shows, I just think there's a lot of room for people like us to 
urge, I guess, those voices and those people along to show them we're listening and to give them the space they need and take the time out of our day to pay attention. I don't know if this is too much of an offshoot from what we're talking about, but I think I'm still thinking about voice too. You know, when I was researching my book, I said like, oh, I want third gen kids to like relate to it. But I also realized, I forgot to mention like um, my, some of the stuff I learned, my parents didn't actually know about. For instance, like, I don't think they're taught about how many people were just killed in the Philippine American war and other tidbits of, of <laughs> information like that, especially if they, they went to school in like the fifties uh, or maybe earlier. Um, Cause it was very Americanized. So they, they just cut that out. <laughs> so sometimes when I talked about my research to like, for instance, my dad, he was just like, wait, I didn't know about that. Like he didn't know about the bells in I think it's in Samar uh, being stolen <laughs> and they're still in America and they're trying to still return these, these bells. And he's like, Hey, I didn't, I never learned about that in class. And I, I, I think about that a lot too. Cause I'm just like, you know, um, I do think literature regardless of what age range it's meant for can help restore voices that were lost because I'm sure that we wrote this in history, but then they're like, do, 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 this didn't happen. We're just going to say that uh, we just signed this, this neat piece of paper and we didn't kill like these many people. And it's just, it's just wild to me. Like just hearing my dad saying that he's like, you're like, I've never heard this before. And I'll just point it like cite it in the book. Like it's here. I didn't make this up. Like it, it's, it's wild. Wild indeed. I've been part of this group called Podcast PH on Facebook for some time now, and while I'm not the most active, it's been a really great resource to get to know podcasters in the Philippines. And since we're talking about voice, I wanted to hear from and share some of those voices that make up the local podcasting space. So I reached out to hosts from five shows that are created, recorded, and produced in the Philippines. You'll find all the links in the show notes. And honestly, I'm really excited about this. So ta-da-da, sit back and listen in. Hello to the listeners of Exploring Filipino Kitchens. We are Mike and Ham from the Please Pause podcast. We are a married couple from the Philippines, and we've been doing this podcast for almost a year now. We mostly talk about movies and TV shows that we've watched, both Filipino and international, stuff we liked, stuff we didn't like, some occasional stories about us, and some arguments here and there, just like any other couple, I guess. And we are launching some new content in our second season. We thank Exploring Filipino Kitchens for having us here. To the listeners, continue to support this great podcast. We invite you to check out Please Pause and other Filipino podcasts as well. Thanks, Nastasha. Thanks, guys. So one of the episodes that I listened to and loved was an episode from April called the Batang X episode. Now, this is a throwback for 90s kids who grew up in Manila, like me. Mike and Ham chat about animated classics like Princess Sara and Sedi and Munting Principe, which I just learned was actually called Little Lord Fauntleroy. Now, together with The Secret Garden, which was my all-time favorite cartoon, I learned that these three stories were actually written by Frances Hodgson Burnett, 
who is an American novelist originally from England, one of the shows that we watched um, produced by Nippon Animation in Japan. I just think it's amazing that these European stories that are animated in Japan and dubbed in Tagalog was, without us realizing it, everything. Mike and Ham talk about how it feels like films and shows today really just aren't made the way they were used to. And from where I'm at now, I agree. Hello everyone, my name is Jeff. Hi, I'm Maya Angeline and we are inviting you guys to listen to us in Coffee Na Lang Dear Podcast. Mapapakinggan nyo doon kung paano kami magpalitan ng mga opinion about a certain topic. Yes, and we love discussing matters concerning productivity, self-development and such things. Meron din kaming mga interviews with other people talking about their experiences and expertise. Well, actually, anything under the sun, tama ba? Yep. So guys, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Just search for Coffee Nalang Dear. See ya! On a recent episode called Saan Mo Gustong Lumaya, or Where Would You Want to Go?, Rhea talks about learning how to drive a motorbike during enhanced community quarantine. Remember, in Manila, Jeepleys are kind of in the process of being phased out right now with this immense effect on daily life that's really kind of hard to grasp. One of the greatest things, though, that I find with listening to podcasts from the Philippines today is that this is the closest I'm going to get to learning about what life is like now from people who live there. With June 12 celebrated as Philippine Independence Day, Jeff and Rhea decided to talk about freedom on this episode, but with a different flavor. Rhea says something along the lines of, Diba ayo natin pag-usapan hanggat mare yung history, government, etc. kasi matitrigger lang tayo. In other words, it's hard to talk about those kinds of realities because it kind of does nothing but trigger emotions that many of us just don't know how to handle. And I get it. <laughs> um, because when you live someplace where those hard truths are in your face, they're inescapable, it can be challenging to think about where you'd even start with just expressing your thoughts and how you feel. So on the episode, they ask listeners, what part of your life do you want freedom from? And y'all are going to have to listen and exercise your taglish if you're not too familiar with listening to it, uh, because it's really interesting. You know, people talk about wanting to be free from debt, a big one anywhere in the world, and freeing yourself from people who are toxic, um, freeing yourself from the noise of social media and the emotional baggage that inevitably creeps out of the woodwork when so many people talk about the things that matter a lot to them. They talk about exercising patience and knowing that, um, this is my favorite line actually, Rhea says something like, Pag may delivery, may ibatibang kaligayahan. Which basically means that when something you've ordered online finally arrives at your door, you get this like rainbow of happiness. Also something I'm pretty sure a lot of us can relate to now. And this episode, I guess, just reminded me that we really all kind of worry and think about a lot of the same things with different shades to our experiences. Thank you, Jeff and Rhea, for the coffee break.
Hi, my name is Carla Aquino, and I have a podcast called The Banya Podcast Reflushed. In my podcast, I talk about random trivia, wacky and useless moments in history, and interesting topics that you can use as conversation starters in daily talks. So if that's your cup of tea, or you're interested to learn a little bit something new about the world around you, I invite you to listen to my podcast over at anchor.fm slash Podcast reflushed. Thanks. On his episode called Do It All the Time from Back in Me, Carl talks about con artists. On this episode, someone named Victor Lustig, whose scam regarding the Eiffel Tower caused French officials to, like, follow him and hunt him down all the way to the U.S. Another thing I love about podcasts is its ability, because of its nature, to allow anyone who's really, really interested in something, like random trivia for Carl and food stories for me, the space to exist online, with a dose of personal perspective. Hey, I'm CK. And I'm Jonas. And we invite you to our podcast, Sustainer Rumble. Where we explore issues about sustainable development in the Philippines, such as agriculture, health and well-being, education, pollution, waste, urban planning, water and sanitation, renewable energy, climate change, urban transport, and so much more. Hope you check out Sustainer Rumble on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And spread the word to become a part of our Sustainer Crew. See you there. You guys, I'm so excited about this one. The Sustainer Rumble team tackles a question that so many other podcasters have posed over the years. One of their first episodes called Sustainability, Nakakain Bayan? Basically, it asks, what do people in the Philippines think about sustainable living? What is it in the first place? And I like how CK and Jonas pose this question because, like they say, if you asked someone at the mall, like in the Philippines, what they think about sustainability, one of the answers you'd get repeatedly is nakakain bayan, or is it something that's going to keep me from going hungry? And this is obviously a topic that's close to me because I really do think that getting people to understand the importance of caring about the world around us it starts with making it relevant to the person or group of people listening, like, for real. And we know there isn't a single answer, and that this is a journey, a really big uphill one, to get people to understand why it's important to change our behavior about single-use plastics, even starting with that one. On the episode, they talk about the UN Sustainable Development Goals with a director for policy studies and advocacy in the Philippines. Her name's Choc de Villega. She talks about how, in 2015, the Philippines actually signed the SDGs, those Sustainable Development Goals, with the idea of helping local government units understand and take actionable steps towards reaching those 17 goals that are outlined by the UN. She says that most of the time, though, our short-sightedness allows us to forget that there are these more long-term reforms that have to be put into place 
in order for the SDGs to fly really high in the Philippines, is uh, her quote from that episode. And, I mean, that's clearly something I agree with. Hey there, guys. This is Joel Eduardo, and I'm the creator and host of Buhay Banda Diaries, where we tell the stories, struggles, and successes of different musicians and personalities from the band scene in the Philippines. Join me as I chat with musicians, producers, roadies, guitar makers, sound engineers, and everyone in between about how they got introduced to music, how they got in the band scene, memorable gig experiences, recording experiences, and so much more. Please continue to support more Filipino podcasts like my podcast, Nastasha's Podcast, Exploring Filipino Kitchens, and many others. Again, I'm Joel Eduarte, and this is Buhay Banda Diaries. I think that making the most of what we have is a common theme among the podcasts that I've listened to. In Joel's interview with Kevin Conanan from June 26, Joel asks him about seeing um, these bands called Razorback and Wolfgang, which are like two of the biggest, like most influential rock bands in the Philippines. Uh, Kevin saw these bands back to back at his high school because apparently they had a really good alumni network. And the guys talk about Linkin Park and Slipknot and System of a Down in this episode and how everyone in the Philippines that they knew in high school in the early 2000s was into it from their point of view and mine too. <laughs> Kevin remembers going into an Odyssey, which is the Philippines version of Tower Records, where you'd like walk up to this listening station with a pair of like heavy duty headphones and it had like one album per player. Um, you know, you'd listen to these tracks while you're staring at the spinning CD and you can skip the tracks you don't like. I just find it like, oh, I feel like such an old person. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But like back at the Alabang Town Center, where I used to hang out a lot, I often preferred to like spend a long time obsessing over what CD I wanted to spend my money on versus hang out at the arcade and food court where all the other high school kids flirted with each other. I remember in the episode, Kevin goes like, Una palang's a hybrid theory, there was paper cut, and that it sounded like a whole new world. Na, may ganito pala. In short, he says that listening to Linkin Park's hybrid theory album like just blew his mind. And... So his interest in music kind of grew, and he first learned how to play acoustic guitar from people at school. Um, he says, or his friends. Um, I'm self-studying on the internet, because that was kind of also becoming a thing. They talk about stuff that they've learned playing with other bands over the years, and they kind of, at the end, circle back to talking about tropahan. Um, and I could spend an entire episode probably talking about how Filipino people... Uh, regard this concept of friendship, but what I'll say for now is that music, for sure, is a huge part of that. What I'm committing to is to feature more of these voices in the ways that I can. I feel really strongly about wanting to tell stories from the Philippines, told by locals from their perspectives, and ideally with me on the ground, but I know that's probably going to take some time.
Deepest, sincerest thanks to Tiffany Tirampi and Natalie De Los Santos from Pilipinex Pages and for meeting some pretty awesome new podcasting friends. We've got Mike and Ham from the Please Pause podcast, Jeff and Rhea from Coffee na Lang Dear, Carl from the Banyo podcast Reflush, CK and Jonas from Sustain a Rumble, and Joel from Wuhay Banda Diaries. Visit the show notes for all the links that you need to follow and subscribe to these amazing shows. And also while you're at it, visit podcastph.org. That's run by the amazing Camille Rodriguez to find other podcasts from the Philippines to listen to. Theme music is by David Seste. Segment music is by Eric and McGill, Blue Dot Sessions, and Podington Bear. Visit exploringfilipinokitchens.com for past episodes and follow the show. We're at Exploring Filipino Kitchens on Instagram. Please say hello and let me know if you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, maraming salamat and thank you for listening.